Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast meeting is being held on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we would like to pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging and their multiple birth parents of children with disabilities. And this week we're speaking to a really super famous parent who is managing and maybe not managing her own disabilities. This podcast contains truth, laughter and the occasional F word, so it may not be suitable for children. So you may need to put your air... Pods. AirPods, not AirBuds, <laughs> as my scholarship keeps telling me. They're not AirPods. Anyway, put whatever you've got, headphones in so the kids can't hear. Or if you want your children to be swearers, then <laughs> let them listen. <laughs> let them enjoy. Hello, Mandy. Hello, Kate. Here we are back, week two. Ooh. Yep. So I hope everyone enjoyed our Mm, rambling. Rambling of the first episode. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit rambling, but that's all right. We're back now. We've hit the ground running. Kids are at school. Yes. Work's back. Yes. Yeah, I feel like things are okay. Yeah, yeah. You? You're not back at work yet, are you? Oh, no, I've got another week or two. Yeah. <laughs> because I've got to get the website back. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, but now I've got lots of people booked in, so... Okay. Um, Good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Actually, I've had a break. I think that's what happened. You need a break. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they're for. Who yeah, knew? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I'm pretty excited about who's going to be on our podcast today. I have followed her career from afar <laughs> <laughs> for have. many a year and read many of her things. So um, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Jamila, uh, Jamila Rizvi. And um, I am mum to Ruffy, who is five and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
counting down to being five and three quarters very soon, yep. uh, has started school the week that we're recording. Yes. And I do a bunch of different things. Um, but I think most of the time I'm either writing something or talking too much. Yeah. yeah. Wow. True. <laughs> Sounds a lot like us at the moment. <laughs> I know. That's right. Well, we're going to ask our questions to yep. you and then we'll get into it and just have our normal conversation where we don't know where we're going, which is usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So our first question that we ask everyone that comes on our podcast is, do you have music or a band or a song that either really gets you through hard times or pumps you up in the good times? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a little bit pathetic because uh, the person whose music gets me through is also my best friend. <gasps> so um, I became a massive Claire Bowditch fan when I was in high school. Yes. And- Back when I thought all my emotions were complex and adult, yeah, <laughs> like hers were. Yeah, I used to listen to her music and cry when I got dumped or when someone was mean or whatever. Yes. It was. And um, you know, I think it was it was probably ten years after having a poster of her on my wall, we met and became very close friends. Oh, and amazing. Claire's music's become the soundtrack of my life. She sang at my wedding. Oh. And, she used to sing lullabies to my little boy Aww. after and, and um I, yeah I don't know I don't know what I'd do without her but yeah. also without her beautiful voice Music. Oh, yeah and a fellow yeah. she's a twin mum yes she is yeah. she is she's got two boys Oscar and Elijah yeah yeah, yeah. who are, yeah. Who are jo- like who are taller than me yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're teenagers aren't they like our guys yeah yeah oh yeah well we love her lovely. too yeah we love her too of yeah. course yes oh we yeah who doesn't her latest book, I was just crying oh. and laughing that I'm sending her DMs. She's probably thinking, who the hell is this person? <laughs> you would have loved it. The amazing thing about Claire is she has this capacity for empathy. Like it's like, it's like empathy is her superpower oh. and she'd never be frustrated by people getting in touch to yeah, she was super kind. Like oh. she'd be like, give me more. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so my next question is, did you win any awards at school? You did, sound, didn't you? <laughs> We've had people brag. It's fine. Yeah, go, you go, for go. It. That's fine. I won a lot of awards in school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. tell us. I was an awardee kid. Yeah. Um, I, I think I topped a few subjects. Yeah. I won some awards for like contributions to the school, for community and awesome. culture like that. Yep. I was an award winning school type. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes. And those people are very valuable. Yes. We and, need those brains. And were they meaningful to you? Yeah, I think so. I was I was a super overachieving kind of kid, but not in the singular sense, if that makes sense. It, like I wouldn't do one activity and be the best at it. I wanted to do everything so much um, <laughs> to the point that if they counted all my extracurricular activities, I would have graduated twice because I just <laughs> joined all the stuff. Yeah. Um, mostly because I have an extreme fear of missing out, ah. which I have carried with me to this day yeah 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 <laughs> a little bit like um one of my kids actually. yeah yeah she's very much like that yeah yep okay and then the big question why are you a p or a member of the p tribe okay i didn't understand what this question was going to be at first but i thought about it and i've decided that i am p adjacent ah um, excellent describe myself as a chick p um <laughs> Because my family are Middle Eastern and Indian, so yes. we're going to add the chickpea uh-huh, <laughs> yes. into the mix. And I am not the—I don't have a child with a disability, but I am someone who has acquired disabilities as 
an adult. So yeah. I'm going to just like hang out over here near <laughs> the rest of the green peas. You are definitely in the pea tribe. You are. And hummus, may we all get it. Isn't hummus one of the best things yes. in the whole world? Where would we be without the chickpea? I'm genuinely quite happy to spend the rest of the podcast talking about hummus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am live a majority of my life as a vegetarian, so I probably eat chickpeas every other day. Do you? <laughs> Oh, I love them. Oh. Yeah, we eat them in everything. Mm. <laughs> yep, big chickpea fans here. Anyway. I think we need to come up with a term. For pea adjacent. For, yeah, well, for maybe. adults with a disability. Yeah. Because we've interviewed a lot. So yeah. why haven't we come up with that? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're not very organised and we struggle just to get our own shit together. That's probably why. That's probably. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about your acquired disability? What For people that yeah. don't know we're, and what you're comfortable I'm sharing. Here. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm super comfortable sharing. I'm just conscious of being complicated. Go <laughs> for it. Um, so I, at the end of 2017, I was diagnosed with quite a rare kind of brain tumour. Um, after that, I had uh, two brain surgeries after it grew back a second time. And I then had a course of um, what ended up being 36 rounds of radiation um, mm-hmm. after it grew back again. Oh, my word. Um, since then, knock on all the wood, yeah. um, uh, I've had no growth. But as a result of the surgeries and radiation, a lot of damage was done to that area of my brain. Mm. So I have a bunch of different complicated disabilities as a result. But at a broad level, my pituitary gland doesn't work, which means that my body doesn't produce hormones or at mm. least doesn't produce hormones in a way that is useful to me. Mm. Right. Um, and that has a lot of repercussions because there's a lot of hormones, which yes. is something I didn't know. No, no, you wouldn't. I thought there were the sex hormones. That was it. Yep. Just a little, little naive. Um, so obviously they're affected, but a whole bunch of other stuff, which is uh, kind of nutty out of this world, like my body can't balance water on its own. So without a tablet, I would be like insatiably thirsty and also constantly going to the bathroom and would dehydrate. And wow. Eventually- um my body doesn't make any cortisol and um, oh. which is a really important stress hormone yes yeah. um and that doesn't mean i don't get stressed critical okay. yep um, <laughs> yeah the problem is that when my body's stressed i don't produce the hormone i need to be able to cope with it yes oh. got it i can go into something called an adrenal crisis which uh-huh. is an emergency so there's a whole bunch of stuff that's sort of two of the sort of 12 different ones that are affected and mm. um, and, but it's made life really complex. Yeah. Yeah. So where if we go back, how did you know that you had that brain tumour? Like what what was happening yeah. with you? Uh, very little. Right. Um, I was uh, incredibly fortunate that we picked it up when we did. Um, most people with my particular kind of brain tumour tend to pick it up when they start going blind. Um, so we were very lucky. We found it when, when, when we did. Um I uh, had a two and a half year old and I was on a book tour and oh, I yep. skipped my period and um, I assumed it was stress. Yeah. I thought I've got a young child and I'm like on a, this big book tour and it's intense. Um, I must be stressed. But because uh, we were thinking about having another child, I thought, oh, I better get checked out just in case. And um, I had a very diligent deep GP who didn't dismiss me. And I've since been told by multiple GPs. Yeah. Most of them would have. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, most of them would have said you're anxious, but yeah. she got a bunch of blood tests done and they figured it out from there. Wow. 
Oh, so you were at that point thinking, oh, maybe we'll have another baby after I've done this book tour. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was very much top of top of mind that sometime in the next two years I I, I wanted to have another one, and um, obviously uh, when your hormones are affected, that makes uh, conceiving a child extremely difficult. Yes. Um, so we, I think, you know, I I think you never say never, and you never know what the future will hold. And and I've done IDF, so we've got we've got embryos frozen, but certainly at this stage. I think I think our family's just going to be the three of us. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you do the IVF before you had the surgery, or what? When did you do that? I did it. I did it afterwards. Actually, right. I was advised to do it before, right. but it was it was almost like it was just too much. Mm. Yeah. I, I couldn't. I I don't. I think at that point I was so scared of the surgery. Yes. yes. Um, the idea of more surgery yeah. was just. It was yeah. it was too much for me at that at that moment and yes. um despite the fact that doctors recommended it, I, I sort of said to my husband, Do you mind if I don't have it? And he said, You can do whatever you yes, want. Yes, of course. <laughs> what um, happened on that day when you got the diagnosis? What how did you how did you survive that? You know, it, it's really hard to answer. Um, mostly because I I I think I I think I started dissociating to yeah. an extent mm-hmm. around that time. Like yeah. I, I really do feel like not just the day of diagnosis, but in the months that followed, because I had, I waited quite a while for my brain surgery, almost three months um, for a number of different reasons. And I spent that whole time just completely terrified and, and almost not in the, in the world. Like I, I, I didn't feel connected to yes. what was going yes. on around me or yep. the people around me. I felt like I was sort of sleepwalking. Yes and yet panicking at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is I did survive it and it's a good reminder, I think, for myself but also the people around me that mental health episodes can be so severe they feel like physical health episodes. Yes. They can be completely debilitating but a mental health episode in and of itself will not kill you. Yeah. No. I think I I think I was pretty convinced it would. Yeah, yeah. well, it feels that um, bad, it does. doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It felt it felt it felt so strange, and I think I felt so scared. And by the time I went into that surgery, I, you know, I think I, I barely knew what I was doing. It yeah. Was, it was just a do what comes next. Yeah, and do just what, you're handing yourself over to the people that you are trusting know what they're doing. Yeah, which is what hospitals are like, yes, right? Yeah, that's right. For those of us who aren't medical, I have it, no idea. Real sense of hello, strangers. Yeah, yeah have my life. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's, it's such a bizarre feeling. I only know that in terms of the surgeries for my daughters, but and you're just like, I, I can't think about things. They told me not to Google things. I didn't. What about you? Did you go I, down? I googled everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I would too. Yeah, I googled everything. Yeah. Um, after a while, I stopped. Yes, because it. I I did reach a point. I, th- I think it would have been about two months after diagnosis where I just I somehow managed to draw a mental line and say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah, um, especially because one of the things they don't tell you about Google, they talk to you about all the crap that's out there, and um, sorry, um, all the stuff that is not true or whatever it might be. What they, what I think they don't talk to you about with Dr. Google is often you find something that is from an extremely reputable source and is highly accurate, 
but you as a lay person don't know how to interpret it. Yes. Interpretation of it is inaccurate. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with the content or the data, but the way you comprehend it and put it in your head is not quite right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, um, I've really been helped along in the fact that my husband is, um, uh, he works in medical malpractice. Um, he's a lawyer, yep. but it means that to do that job, you do have to have yep. a pretty decent basic medical yep. knowledge, at least in understanding journal articles and the rest. Yeah. And I really leaned on him and a girlfriend of mine who's an oncologist to kind of be my interpreters. Mm. Yeah, you really that. need it. And did you tell people or did you just sort of keep it to yourself when you before your surgery? Yeah, we told people. Yep. Um, and I don't think... It ever occurred to me not to. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a super duper private person. Yep. Um, and I, I think I'm, you know how people always, people always say things like, oh, um, I'm not good at asking for help. I'm yep. really good at asking for help. <laughs> um, I have no problem with telling people things are harder than yeah. they Great. <laughs> awesome. And, um, I think I wanted my people around yes. me. You know, I wanted I wanted help and, you know, to their credit, my friends and family really stepped up. They were extraordinary when when I was sick and and continue to be when when things are tough. We've got an amazing village um, where we live now and um, we wouldn't wouldn't get by without them. How did you navigate mothering in that space? Um, Early on I don't think I navigated it very well. Mm. Um, Don't think I covered myself in glory. (laughs) <laughs> uh, my my little boy was two and a half when I was diagnosed and um, I think I just sort of exited the space. Yeah. yeah. I let my husband do the parenting, yeah. my in-laws and my parents and and others. I, I couldn't. I, no. I, I, the very idea of him distressed me early yes. on yeah. because I would just look at him and think about what his life was going to be like. Yep, yep, yeah. And I actually found it very hard to parent. Yes. And I think after this first surgery, I was quite nervous about him hurting me. Yes. Which turned out to be uh, fair because he ended up breaking my nose with a Spider-Man dog. I remember oh, that. Yes. <laughs> but after my second brain surgery, after that diagnosis and, and after the surgery, I, I threw everything at him. Oh. Right. I basically said everything else goes on the back burner my relationship with him has taken a real hit. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it did. It, it did. It took a real hit yeah, during that. Period of course. Where we sort of separated from each other. And, and it's such a know, physical age, like, two and a half, yeah. you know, the falling on hurt. you when the body's slamming. Yeah. Yeah. He'd get hurt and he wanted dad. He'd wake up in the middle of the night and he wanted dad. Mm. And I sort of knew, I think, around that second surgery, I, I couldn't do it again. Yeah. yeah. So I really worked hard at, um, almost bringing him closer while I was sick mm-hmm. and not scaring him but letting him be quite tactile and be near me and to talk about a lot of it with him and um I, we really yeah we really managed to repair the relationship uh. as well. and he is um he's a very wise five year old yeah yeah as are our family sibling yeah. kids yeah. yeah yeah they've just seen a different part of life that's right yeah yeah Yeah. so actually I think it makes them really empathetic but you know which is I think that's true I think that's ever yeah Yeah. it's you know it's hard on them but Mm. 
you know, as I said, my son started school this week and I, I was sort of re- reflecting on all, the, all those big milestones, like yes. ride a bike and first day of school and tying your shoelaces and he has other milestones. Yes. Like once he could call an ambulance, yeah. you know, like you had to tell them what was wrong with me once he was old enough to, I don't know, call his dad because mum might not pick him up when he was old enough to stay with a neighbour overnight. Yes. Yeah. And look after him like, He's had different, harder yeah. milestones than other kids. Yeah, yeah. We have a whole episode on milestones and how different they can be for different yeah. families. And how we don't highlight those ones are the most remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Instead of going through that stupid book that the nurse gives you and saying, oh, can do this and can do that, Let's, yeah. we don't, we're rewriting them. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, doctors, not technically, but we're rewriting them for ourselves. Mm. I remember the. it was about a week after don't tell my doctors this. It was about a week after my first brain surgery, maybe 10 days. I'd just gotten home from hospital and I had full creating on a So I had like 57 staples in my head and Ruffy wanted to go to the movies on a Sunday. And I was like, please, can we take him to the movies? Yeah. And Jeremy, my husband was like, you just had brain surgery. How hard can it be? We'll drive in, drop me at the door. I'll walk to the movie theater, which is like 50 meters and sit in a chair. Like, let's take him to see some stupid whatever yep. Disney Pixar. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, five. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I convinced Jeremy, but he was like, all right, we, all right, we will do it. And um, we drove in. And you two are Melbourne people, so you will be familiar with Northland. Yes. yes. Those who aren't, let me set the scene. It's like the, it's the saddest of malls. <laughs> the mall you go to when you've got to get stuff. But it's not a joyous experience to be there. Like it's got a grotty food court, and it's like nothing's nice, right? Yeah. You go there to get a hat from Kmart for your kid. Yeah. Um, Are you on it, the Facebook fa- page of Friends of Northlands? Because my sister is, <laughs> and she loves to tell me about I it. Should be. I yeah, should be. you should be. <laughs> we um we arrived, and about um we were walking through the food court, and I said, I feel dizzy. Uh, and I felt I fainted and Jeremy had to pick me up and put me on tables. Oh, <laughs> goodness. And all I remember is thinking, I'm going to die in Northland. <laughs> <laughs> Out the front of Subway. <laughs> but um, Ruffy was amazing. He was there when the ambulance got there and they came there, picked me up, they put me in the ambulance and they were about to put a drip in my arm and I said, can you wait a moment, just wait till my little boy's out of the way. Yeah. And he just looked at me and goes, Mummy, don't be scared. It is a needle. You will get a lollipop when it is over. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bless him. Just took it in his stride. And yeah. still tells people about the day he got to sit in the ambulance. Yeah, well, that would be a pretty uh-huh. cool thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Two and a half year old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Ambulance. Oh. Far out though. And so I take it you didn't see the movie. <laughs> no. No, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> you might this need to recreate what, it. I mean, Netflix, you know. Oh, no, it's just, all there. You just do it at home. <laughs> For oh, sure. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. And so during that time, you kept working though, didn't you? As much as I could, yeah. I um, So my first surgery, I went back really early, mm. like I think five weeks after the brain surgery and the recovery was a lot longer than that. And um, I remember thinking I was fine mm. and I look back at photos of the time and I'm half Indian. 
I look like a really white, white person. Yeah. <laughs> so like pale. Like, yeah. I'm so pale and I'm clearly not well enough to yes. be mm. out and about and doing things. And then after the second one, I think it was a bit more realistic, especially because it was a bigger surgery and um, it was more dangerous and more things went wrong. And so I knew I had to be prepared. So I did a lot of things like I recorded podcasts in advance. I wrote columns in advance so that after I had the surgery, we could kind of drip feed them out. Yeah. So I think I looked like I was working more than I was. Right, right, it's yeah. It's the wisdom of having frequent surgeries. I feel yeah. like I'm better at it as a mum now than I was the first yeah. time. Yeah. I know yeah. exactly what's happening. It was the yeah. first yeah. one I'd send them back to school in the wheelchair and I'd pick her up and she'd be like, and I'd yeah. think, oh, man. <laughs> but I was what? just like, let's get back to life. Let's get back. We're fine. Yeah. We're and fine. I think it makes you feel yeah. like you're coping yeah. to do normal things. But I look back and think, oh, my goodness, that poor little thing. I know. And actually you, you don't have to cope. No. But you want to. You just want everyone. You don't want people want to you. treat you. Again. Yeah, you yeah, want it to be the same. you do. Yeah. And then you have that beautiful epiphany when you go, oh, it's never going to be the same. Which yeah. maybe you did the second time, do you think? Yeah, I think I actually, I think that's dead right. I I didn't, I think after that first surgery, I thought, and so did everyone around me, I have done that now. Yeah, like that was of course. a bad thing that happened to me. Yes. Like, it was like a car accident. Like yes. it happened once, it was awful, but I'm fine now. And so we're back on track and we're just getting on with life. Yeah. That's how I felt, especially because after that first one, I didn't acquire any new disabilities. Yeah, that's so, what I was going to ask you when all that really started well. to unfold. Yeah. I felt healthy and well and I, life was, didn't have to adjust much. Yes. I had to adjust the recovery but I was fine after that. Whereas now, I mean, even if this tumour never comes back again, life's never going to be the same. Yes. You know, then life's never going to be normal. There's always going to be really big risks and things I can and can't do and I look different and I feel different. Mm. And I think once you've got those two things combined, it's very hard to kid yourself that things are the same. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, very it's true. Yeah. So when we were all um, coping with lockdown, you really had to, didn't you? Like I remember reading that your son, you had to, he was with your mum or because you didn't want anyone yeah. to get sick and then your husband got really sick. and My husband was really sick right at the start of the pandemic, like proper sick. Mm. And um uh, my son was away for the weekend with my mother-in-law down the beach when he got super sick and he went to the doctor and they were like, this was in the first weeks where they were like, you can't have a COVID yes, test yes. because you haven't been overseas. And he was like, but I have all the symptoms. Yes. <laughs> they sent him away. A week later he was worse and I'd n- I've never seen him that unwell. Wow. He my son away. He went to another GP who said, we're going to test you for everything else in an attempt to rule things out. Right. Everything else was clear and he was like, mate, I think you've got COVID but I cannot actually get you a test. Wow. Um, It was a very intense time. I became like lady with the Windex. Like (laughs) yes, scrubbed stuff. Like I just walked around the house and Jeremy, I put him in our bedroom with the ensuite and was like, don't come out. You can go to the bathroom. We've got a little courtyard off our room. I was like, you can be in the bedroom. If you want fresh air, there is a courtyard. (laughs) Do not leave that space. And anytime you'd like open a door, I'd be like, I'm going to spray the handle and like scrub it. I was obsessed. We needed you you running hotel quarantine in. Yeah, um, it would have been fine. No second lockdown. (laughs) I was on it. Um, but it was a really intense. It was a really intense kind of movement into yes. Into for us. And yeah. then you sort of role reversal. You're then caring for him. 
Yes, except he doesn't like being cared yeah, for. Yeah, of course not. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't want any help, just wants no. to soak. Um, <laughs> and then we were both, we found out later we were both staying up all night on our phones, like reading all the news from the US and Italy. Which I know. Made I was. Yeah, we, we really did do that. Other. And I just think we what? were thinking that can't happen here, can it? We've been thinking... in Sydney the week before Melbourne shut down and mm. my 10-year-old was super sick and I called an ambulance with her and when we took her to emergency, they refused to test her because we, I hadn't been overseas. But I mm. said, I've been in Sydney Harbour. I've hugged 200 people at our show. Yep. Like just, And now I think yeah. that's crazy. So he probably mm. did have it. I don't think she had it, but I don't know. I know. It's just um, She had all the symptoms. It's a really intense kind of. I, I think I, I keep thinking about that that period of yes. time which we all went through in different ways. Yes. Of it was like watching, it was like watching a tsunami coming, yes. right? And and going, is that going to flatten and be an ordinary wave when yes. it hits, or is it going to be terrifying and kill everyone? And yes. Still, every day, I think I find it. We've got a lot of family in in the mm. state and mm. uh, Europe who are in hard lockdown and yeah. Um, it's hard to get my head around that they're so deeply in it in yeah. a way that I don't understand. No, yeah, no we lived we in don't. Melbourne and we still don't understand, No, you know, what it was like. I remember my big profound moment was, apart from the paediatrician saying, don't send the boys to school, and I was like, oh, okay, because well, mm-hmm. everyone else stayed a week. We pulled them out a week early. Um, I was listening to Dr Carl on Triple J and he said, I don't want to alarm everybody. But unless we get this right, we will all be going to funerals of someone we love this year. And I just thought, Dr. Carl's not an alarmist, you know, and that's when, and I was in the truck with the work boys and I was like, we, we have to do, we, we can't keep working like this. Like something has to change because I can't be responsible for people dying or, you know, yeah. And And you're on high alert as someone who's already been through such trauma. You're, you're like, you're ready, aren't you? You're like, yeah, I'm here, I'm good, I know what happens with trauma, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I think I actually, I don't know about you two, I got a bit like that the whole time. Yeah. Mm. Not in, an, in a sort of an alertness, bad things are coming, but in a I'm here, I'm ready to help. And it's the <laughs> first time in a in a crisis, in a health crisis, where I haven't been the one in crisis. Yes. So yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is my time to shine. And I went massively overboard, like cooking for people and care packages and ridiculous, like ask any of my mates. I like went a bit silly because um, I was, I just felt quite empowered. Like yes. I'm the helper. Yeah, I understand <laughs> that feeling. I have felt like that myself. When yeah. you're the recipient of so much care. Yeah, you want to give it back. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, really, really, really true. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Mandy and I have just finished reading your book. I actually got it for Christmas and then I didn't read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. We got Um, the royalties anyway. Because we um, are trying to edit our own book. So, you know, all those moments where you'd normally just have that blissful reading time, you have to read your own words. Uh, (laughs) No, we're we're sick of our own self. (laughs) Sick of reading what I've got to say about things. But you're at the editing point. Yes. You were were on the way. I know. We wrote it in the lockdown like. You know, so I don't know. I mean, editing's way more fun than writing. I really, yes. But we're still, you know, trying to catch moments here and there. But this is the book of, I I wanted to read this book during lockdown. I know. And then you wrote it. You did it. How did you decide to do it? How did it come about? Because it's perfect. Um, Oh, a couple of reasons. I I work with a group called Future Women who are part of the Nine Network and they're run by a woman called Helen McCabe who used to edit the Australian Women's Weekly who is just the most extraordinary boss and um we knew we wanted to do some different things once the pandemic hit partly because we were a bit worried about going under yes Yes. of course (laughs) yes we didn't know what was going to be next for the business all your work yeah and I had a conversation with Helen where I said to her how much I wanted to speak to my nan yes me too yeah my nan uh, lived through the tuberculosis epidemic and I remember her stories of that time that she was sent home from school for six months yes. to care for her sibling and um, how hard that was for her because she was a really academic kid and she was bored at home and they were barely allowed out and things like this and um, same during polio and, and um, I just wanted her to talk to me and tell me it feels big and scary but it, it will pass, mm. everything passes and um Helen said the same thing. She was telling me about Queenie, who was her grandmother, who she also missed and who had similar stories. And um, basically we decided we'd talk to other people's grandmas. Yes, (laughs) perfect. Yeah. And it's just so often, and Mandy probably says it more than me, but when you have a child with an additional need, you yearn to speak to a woman 10 years further down the track. That's all I want. I just want to hear how they did it and what they did and and what life's like now. And what can I learn from you and, yeah, Yeah. all of that. And that is what this book is, which we should say the name of is Untold Resilience, (laughs) which is a perfect name. Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. And I know that the peas will probably have half of them have read it, but they will read it. I know in my group of friends, like in my book club, we were all like, okay, we feel like this is our war. And that sounds really dramatic, but you know, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And you, one of the we things we're all trying to you, get a head around that. resilience is that mm. there are women who lived through world wars yes. who say this is worse, this is harder, because those periods, particularly for Melbourne in the, that deep lockdown, mm. but oh my gosh, around the world, of during wartime, you had your people around you. Yes, you yes. know, you could, you you were desperately sad, but you were. You, you could go to your friends and you had people with you. But yes. having to do it alone is is completely different. The isolation made it made it hard. I Where think. did yeah. you find everyone? Oh, everywhere. Everywhere. Um like the connections to these women were as messy as like, you know, my sister's music teacher's brother's yes. mother in law. <laughs> you know, like it just was like we went on these huge circular routes and I, I would have these conversations around April and May of last year and someone would say something and I'd be like, sorry, who? <laughs> sorry, sorry, tell me about her again. Like, I'd be at the dentist being like, excuse me, tell me more. What? <laughs> um, and I just grilled everyone. Um, and we really wanted a group of women 
the stories are in their own words, but they told their stories to a journalist yes. who, who kind of crafted the narrative for them. And I edited the book, but I spent time with four of the women oh. in the book. And two in particular I've become really close to oh. and we still chat and see one another. And, um, you, you know, I it has been like acquiring new friends. Yeah. Um, and I, there's something about illness, which is something you two will understand that, illness ages you yes. and for me I have a lot in common yes. with women in their 80s and 90s that I don't have in common with my mates yes. in yes. um and it, there's a really lovely bonding yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know I was, I was talking one of the women in the book I was talking her through her first brain scan the other day <laughs> yeah. talking about what it would feel like and what it would look like and how to prepare <laughs> um it, you know we we it's been a really lovely process and their stories are so full of hope. Yes. And, so and candid, but also gut-wrenchingly hard. Yes. Uh, I think Mandy and I both grew up in the church, in different churches, and we've left that environment now. But for me, one of my favourite things about being in a church was the older women. And there was really that you know, they just give you their opinion and or they just come and talk to you. <laughs> and they and, had their seat. Yeah, they had their seat. They weren't allowed to sit in no, their no, seat. No, no, no. But they, no. Um, I don't know, we've, I think for my kids they don't have that. Yeah. That gener- intergenerational That was one of the beautiful space. parts of growing yeah. up in a church. That yeah. is a really nice part about You've going got, to church. You know, I was a teenager and I had a baby on my hip and then I was talking to an 80-year-old lady every Sunday. It was beautiful yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I was very much the same until a few months ago and I feel really um really privileged that these women have come come into my into my life and I get I get panicked if they don't call me back yes <laughs> of course well they're elderly yeah, yes, but they're amazing some of them have done radio interviews and podcast interviews and TV and been on a stage and next month they're going to be on three of them are going to be on yes. a stage 100 people in the audience they've never done that oh. imagine doing that for the first time oh it's incredible in your 80s or 90s but how great that they're telling their stories. Yes. So I just think, you know, the power of women's storytelling. Oh, we for love so it. many years we've had the power of men's telling stories. Yeah. And well, now forever. through podcasts and other means, we're just all starting to talk and people are listening. Yeah. And I think it's you and can you, find people now to listen to. You know how women say in their forties and their fifties they're that what are the, what do they say? They're sort of the invisible age. Mm. Well, mm. this is even more so in their eighties mm. yeah. and nineties. And what yeah. richness. Oh, and then mm. I was, I confess, I was reading along and I was like, when is there going to be a lady with a child with a disability? I'm waiting. <laughs> and then boom, Liz She's came in oh. and I was just howling, yep. tears running down my face. I just thought I need to meet her. I and these love are the women to I'm her. yearning to talk to. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know why we read our book because she said everything in about five pages. You know, five pages. <laughs> She had a she had a Helen McCabe who was a pretty first class journalist to help her tell the story, but she's an extraordinary, an extraordinary woman. It was a yeah. There's there's something about meeting the women in in that book, and um, one of the women who we interviewed died between writing the book and yes. publishing, and even being able to give um, her her name was Lakshmi Maksai, and mm. she she was quite young in in the context of. Um, who we included in the book and her death was quite unexpected. I think it was quite sudden. And um, just being able to give her daughter and her yes. family oh. literally hours of audio yeah. and say, here is her talking to one of our journalists 
for hours oh. over many weeks and telling her life story. It's a really amazing time capsule. It makes me want to go around and record all the people yes. I love. Yes, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Do you think since going through everything you've been through, you're a different journalist than you were before? Yeah. Do you ask different questions? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think I'm kinder. Yeah. Uh, not that I, I am some especially kind person now. I just think I was a bit dismissive. When I when I was younger, I was a, I was trying to do the job of a journalist, and yep. I cared more about a great story than I did about the person I was talking to. And yep. now, I care infinitely more about the person I'm talking to than a great story. And there are a lot of stories that the women in that book told us that are not in there. Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, they decided they didn't want them, or we talked about them and decided that it wasn't the best thing for them to yeah. tell them. That's putting the person before the the work. Yes. I I don't know if I was like that before. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And off topic, but what's it like working with um, Tom Tilly? (laughs) (laughs) That was was a segue. That was really (laughs) off topic. I know, I just thought when we're speaking about journalists and being kind. Okay, okay, okay. Tom Tilly can be quite. That's um, what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, um, so there's four of us who work on the briefing and myself, Tom Tilly. podcast, yep. And Annika Smethurst. Yeah. Yeah. So it's our daily podcast which um basically puts the news in your headphones yeah, really every good. day um gives you the top headlines and then dives deep into a particular topic um and yeah I think I I lead with empathy I yes. lead with the, the emotions into a story um and Annika and Tom are much more factually driven because yes. they're both I think more classically trained journos Jan somewhere in the middle yes um, and I think we all bring our strengths to yeah. the podcast. We have never had the problem of trying to ask the same question because we're also different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which well, is that's true. Yeah. It's quite lovely. Yeah. But I've I've recently um we've recently launched the weekend briefing. Oh. And uh look, I wouldn't normally say this, but I, given who I'm talking to, so the briefing was a weekday podcast, but to get a, a news podcast out at 6 a.m., oh. you start at four, right? Oh my goodness. Um so I was waking up very early to do the podcast. And uh, Tom was off on leave for two weeks, so I was filling in. So I was doing it every day. Yep. And, um, having a not particularly hardy body, yes. I went into an adrenal crisis. Yeah. On the, during that second week, because my body, my medication isn't designed to keep me awake for that long. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a huge emergency, and the full bit, and hospital overnight, and pumped full of drugs, and. Oh. It was properly dangerous and I knew I had to call and quit straight away because yeah. I knew if I waited, I would try and rationalise. Yes. The next I said, I'm so sorry, um, but literally, like, I, I could have died. I can't, I can't do this again. Yeah. Uh, and they were so kind and Sam Kavanagh, who runs um, uh, the show for podcasts over at Southern Cross or Stereo, he yeah. was uh, Hank and Andy's producer yes. for over a and um, he didn't fight me. He just said, okay. And he called me back a week later and said, what if we created a weekend episode that you could record on your own at any time of day? Awesome. Uh, I was like, yeah, I could do that. Yes. <laughs> um, so we are now doing the weekend briefing, which is kind of like the good weekend to, to the age. Awesome. Oh, so perfect. Like a profile style interview that I'll be doing every Saturday. And oh, has it I come out? Really yeah, yeah. We started last week. It's okay, I new. haven't seen it. Oh, I would love Brand that. New. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it really, 
I don't know, it, not only am I loving it because it means I get to sit down and talk with someone my way slowly in my style, get them to open up slowly about something, yeah. get them to trust me, but also there aren't many employers who will be that flexible mm. and employers need to be more flexible. Yes, they do. And I think employers also need to see the benefits that come from that yes. flexibility. They have bought my loyalty for life. Yes. yes. Bought a level of hard work that I will put in above and beyond because I know I owe it to them. Yes. They will get more out of me than they ever would have otherwise because they were willing to do that. Yep. And I don't think most employers, particularly in the media, see the benefits of a different perspective being worth changing things up, mm. spending some money. Um, but it is worth it. I think, you oh. know, we make it worth it. We, yeah, and also our whole community understand that because yeah. we've had to often leave jobs, careers to care for our children yeah, and get them to appointments and yep. therapies and all of that. So most of us go out on our own then just to try and, you know, make something. Yeah. 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 And I think as well, well, hopefully the generations under us will just realise that having all the one sort of person is boring, ends up getting you in trouble if you look at a lot of people that have been in the media for a long time, yeah. you know. Um, so actually having a diverse workforce uh, creates less problems. I agree. And we, we also just need to start asking some questions about the way things already have always been done. You know, I've, I, I grew up really, with a really firm view that, you know, there were some roles that could be part-time or job-shared or flexible, mm. but, like, the senior roles, you know, the CEO, the yeah. editor, person in charge, that it just doesn't work. Why not? Why? Why doesn't it work? Yeah. Why doesn't it work? Of course it um, works. Because you put you put some creative thinking into it, you put some time into it, you put the right two, three people into it, you can get three times the brain power for almost the same salary. Yeah, that's right. You know, there are huge benefits. So I think it's, you know, part of it is about, I think finding the confidence to ask, which yeah, is really hard. hard. The world that tells you you're not supposed to. Yep. And then also it's on employers to think laterally mm, about yeah. how to make things work. And I think if you're willing to do that, any employers listening, yep. the benefits are enormous. Mm. Yeah, they are. And we also think when it comes um, a lot of our peop- uh, listeners that have children that are late high school or early 20s, who have a disability or additional need are very worried about them. Oh, I'm having, so worried about the job. Job that they enjoy. Yes. And that they're giving back to society. Yes. And and they can thrive in. Yeah, and I just think if employers just thought outside the box a little bit, their workplace could be so amazing. Like um, Mandy and I have a friend whose um, child has mild cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. autism, and ADHD. And she was like, well, where's he going to get a job? And then he got a job at Bunnings and he's basically memorised all of Bunnings. And so whenever anyone asks where anything is, he's like, I know, like quicker yeah, than someone perfect. can look it up, right? And so everyone loves him. They're yeah. like, oh, we want to ask this guy. And he loves Bunnings. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's this, but a lot of places would never have given him that job. Mm-hmm. And and in the end it's been so beneficial for them. Yeah. So, yeah, we my, are, um, yeah. My friend, my friend Tim um, has a number of um complex physical and intellectual disabilities and I met him for the first time when I worked in politics and he was part of a disability placement program that the minister I worked for it was happening under her portfolio and she sort of said well I can't 
it, it doesn't make sense. We need to place someone in my office. If, if I'm the ambassador for this program, I want to be part of the program. And Tim came to work in our, in our office and um, he did a lot of work with the mail and he was amazing at helping us out with photocopying and all sorts of work that he was doing for us. And we, we became friends, but we only stayed in touch now and then. And then when I got sick, he was literally the only person I'd ever met who'd had brain surgery. Yes. Yeah. So I had called and was like really scared. Yeah. <laughs> and got told, don't call me, I don't like the phone. We'll talk on the But um, he was, he was, and I don't want to say was, and is a, a, a phenomenal support yes. because he just sat there and said, okay, let's talk about brain surgery. I've had nine. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, it was this resource for me of this incredible young guy who had been through so much more than me and I learned an, an enormous amount from him and and when I talk to him now about his work he does he doesn't do a lot of work because physically that's yeah, a bit too hard. tiring but he does two days a week and that work is gives him a sense of self and a yeah. sense of purpose and contribution that I don't think anything else in your life can. No, no. everyone deserves that chance. Yep. Yeah. We all do. So, yeah. And see, if someone hadn't taken a chance on giving him a job, then you wouldn't have known him and the whole thing and you just realise how much better your life is for knowing more people. That's right. So, you know, I mean, Mandy and I, we're always crapping on about this, but it's, yeah. we mean it a lot. We really mean it. Yeah. Well, because we want the world to be a kinder place. Yeah. And I've got two years till my daughter's out of high school and then I know I'm on. I'm on finding something yeah. for her and making her life as yeah. wonderful and as rich as I possibly can. And I think... I'm getting on my soapbox now, so you shut me up if you need to. But um, <laughs> I, I think there is a greater capacity for empathy amongst those who have experienced serious illness or yes. disability, either themselves or when it's Definitely. someone they like. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I, you know, my dear friend Astrid is the host of the Garrett podcast, uh-huh. the State Library of Victoria's podcast. She's a writing teacher at RMIT, and um, she interviewed me for the Garrett a few years ago after my first surgery, back mm. when I thought it was just something that was done yeah. with. And afterwards she sent me an email and said, um, I've got MS and if you ever want to talk to someone about having a brain that doesn't quite work properly, you know, I'm here and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of wrote back and said, oh, thanks, that's really nice, but I'm fixed I'm now. I'm fine now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then about two months later, she was the first person I thought of yes. yeah. when I got re-diagnosed. Yes. And I had to write this email being like, so... <laughs> Blew you off. Yeah, it was rude. <laughs> and, um, after that second surgery, uh, I had like a. Oh, I'm going to cry. Well, I had like a spreadsheet that one of my friends set up for me for visitors because yeah. I'm an extrovert and yes. I really need to. Yeah, yes. Also, you're not allowed to be alone yes. for 12 weeks when you've had a craniotomy because it's too dangerous. Right. Because you might have epilepsy. Right. And so when I wanted to go for a walk, I had to have someone walk me like yes. I was a pup. Yes. Um, and so I had this spreadsheet for who would come and visit and take me for a walk because mm. um, it was the best way for me to get better. And Astrid, who I barely knew, came and put her name in once a week for 12 weeks. Oh, no. And she would yeah. every time and she would catch an Uber because she doesn't drive and she would walk with me and talk to me about what it was like. Mm. And she's kind of five years ahead of yes. me to the emotional acceptance yes. of what's happening to us and what's happening to us is very different. Mm. You know, we only have the occasional symptom crossover, but 
What's the knowing? She gets me. She gets it in a way. Not even my husband. No, can get it. No. It's a different. It's a different kind of getting it. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, and it's. Yeah, that's why we started the podcast. It yeah, is exactly <laughs> what you've done. And you know, I, I like. I think roughly half of Australia. I came across the two of you uh, because of Annabelle Crab. Yes, and <laughs> you have. I've since stayed with it because you've just opened up a world for me that I don't understand because yes. I'm I'm the person with disabilities. Yes. I'm and you've given me a new understanding that, you know, if I'm really honest, I'm not sure I would have thought out otherwise mm. and I am better for it Aww. and better for it. And um, it's such a lovely space you've created. Oh, such an thank you. Space. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's just because there's lovely people and now we get to meet them and, yeah. you know, talk to them and, other people get to hear about it and go, oh, that's interesting. It's not scary. Yeah. Let's get involved. Yeah. 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 So that's it's, right. yeah, it's actually not hard, <laughs> you know, just reaching out to people. Uh, don't give it away. No, okay. okay. Ah. Very hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. oh, dear. Now, we know that you also do folding washing, um, which just oh, sounds yeah. riveting. <laughs> We're up for washing. Yeah. Oh, I've folded washing with you before. So that's an Instagram. Is it on Facebook as well? Yeah, we do it on Facebook and Instagram. So uh, for those who are confused and uh, <laughs> I, I like to fold washing publicly, um, uh, once the pandemic hit, my friend Claire Bowditch and I um, moved out event series yes. that we were in Melbourne, Tea with Jam and Claire. We moved it online. Yes. And um, we have created a community of sort of 10,000 plus now mm. who come together regularly for book clubs. We did makeup tutorials. We had guest speakers. We did cooking classes. We did sing-alongs. We did all yes. sorts of stuff to keep people company, basically, yes. through the pandemic. And um, on Wednesday nights we get together and uh, we fold the washing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, but we get to, you get to hear people talking yes. and so you feel connected for that little bit of time and all the comments going up and, yeah, it's really cute. I like it. Oh, it's great. We really miss it when, yeah. when we don't do one. We've got one to this evening. Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, purposely keeping my husband away from going. <laughs> He's trying to fold the washing. I'm like, Stop don't. <laughs> I don't want to be unfolding washing just so that I can fold washing. <laughs> that was a good way to just unite the everyday person. So it doesn't matter if you have money, you don't have money. You have a job, you don't have a job. Everyone's got washing. Yeah. yeah. And washing's always there, as you yeah. two will do. Like no matter how catastrophic things are in your life, yes. no matter got a kid in hospital, no yep. matter if someone's really unwell at home, yes. you know, you got to do the washing. Yes. you got to do the washing. Away. Actually, sometimes the more... The hard time you're going through, the more washing there is. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're like, oh. Which yeah. is rude. It is rude. It really Gastro really with twins. Oh. I mean, it's yeah. really bad. Oh, you know, <laughs> just everything. You've had a terrible week and someone you loves in hospital and you're like, I haven't washed any undies. Yeah, Great. yeah, yeah. I'm wearing yeah. my bathers to work. Awesome. <laughs> Inside out, buy yep. new ones. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, I'll be like a man. I remember my husband went hiking for three weeks. He's like, I've got five pairs. I'll just wear them inside out, inside out. I was like, yeah. okay, mate. <laughs> I'd rather wash them. I'd rather go down to Woolies and buy a new pair. Oh, well. Uh, oh, my And goodness. you also, your tea with Jam and Claire, you've got an awesome person coming up. I've already bought my ticket. Um, oh, my gosh, yes, we do. Yes, yes. This um, is. I think the peas will be into this because yes. she's our queen because she, she introduced the NDIS. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we are doing an event with Julia Gillard. Mm. It's coming up just over a week's time. Um, 
if you haven't heard of her, she was Australia's <laughs> 27th Prime Minister, yeah. famous for many things, including uh, the implementation of the NDIS um, and uh, her misogyny speech. Yes. So we're going to be doing a special event with her. It's going to be online because we sold too many tickets to be able to do it in person. Awesome. COVID stuff, Um, but it means we've released more tickets. We've been able to make them a lot cheaper. Um, We are throwing ourselves into the event to make it extra special. So there will be some familiar faces in addition to Julia joining us. Uh, There will be singing, there will be speeches, there will be all sorts of fun stuff, giveaways and the rest. Um, It's so good. We went to the no, Annabelle Crab one. That was yeah. awesome. Oh. I was just sitting in my bed in my jammies. I oh. snuggled up and I was just like, this is just the best. I know. I don't have to get parking. I, I don't have to do my hair. I'm really up for it. <laughs> no I really bra. liked it. Yeah. It was awesome. And we're encouraging people to come in either a power suit or a power track suit. Yes, <laughs> very good. You need power pyjamas to say for some of us. That's totally fine. Yeah, okay. I'm going to wear a power track suit. <laughs> <laughs> have we missed anything? that you want to tell the P-Tribe? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, can I be really disgustingly corny? Yeah. The only way what I've gone through could have been worse is if it had been my kid. Yeah. It's the only way I can conceptualise it being harder. Yeah. And I watched my parents mm. seeing me go through this as an adult, which is, is very different, but um, I saw how it, shook them Mm. and how it kind of made them lose faith in the things they believed in Mm. their lives up until that point. And they were 60 when I got sick. Mm. Um, And I, I just think you're all extraordinary. I just think you're all extraordinary. And I I watch my husband show up every day who is my carer and put up with the anger and the frustration and the pain and feeling misunderstood as well as all of the actual implications of being disabled or being unwell. Yeah. And, um, yeah, your kids might not be able to say it, but thank you. Oh, oh make us cry. <laughs> Thanks for that. We thought we got oh. through. <laughs> Never. It's just because you just, it's all about the love and it doesn't, nothing matters. You just, yeah. you're in it. Yeah. You just do whatever it takes. And I think I haven't lived it, but. A fear of every parent is something happening to us. Yeah. So you have lived Yeah. what most of us are too scared to even talk about, you know, because it's that's the fear. Well, a lot of P families do worry oh, about that, about yes. when, they're, when they die and their children are old, who will look after them. So yeah, yeah. a lot of our people will understand that yeah, fear. Yeah. Yeah, but you had the first day of school, so that yes, that must have been I awesome. I did, and there was a point I didn't think I'd get that. Yes, so exactly. Over, over the moon. Yes. yes. Did yeah. you get a lot of photos? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to see my PowerPoint presentation? <laughs> I mean, we took a few. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I just want to say thank you so yeah, much thank for being. You. Um, honest and candid and generous with us. So and thank awesome. You. We've yeah, loved you awesome. for years. I know. We're thrilled to, you. to meet you. You've articulated for, uh, for a long time how a lot of us feel and yeah. so it's really nice yeah. to meet yeah. you. Yes. So, yeah, thank oh, you. Absolute pleasure and a thrill. Thank you. Oh, no well, hopefully thank we'll you. see you in real life one day. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise we'll just watch you on the Zooms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Ah. Thank you. All the best with the rest of it. Thank okay, you. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye.
Oh my goodness, wasn't she gorgeous? Oh, I have fangirled. Yes, for me a too. long time. I've read her in The Age yes. when she used to work at Mamma Mia. Yes, I me just, too. I can't believe I've spoken to her. I know. I'm so and thrilled. And what a beautiful, beautiful person. And I should just say, we just messaged her on Instagram. I thought she won't reply. She's like, yep, I'll do it whenever you want. Oh, I just think. I know. Generous people are generous people. Yes, And we are lucky right. to come across them in our life. Yeah, we are. So, yeah. Anyway. You made me cry. Yes. And she's doing a really amazing, important work. She, oh, she yeah, really is. She really yeah. is. She's, she's an incredible human. Yeah, she's yep. changing the, the landscape yep, of women is. journalists yep. oh. and telling the stories that really matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to get around that um, weekendly. What was it called? No, the, the week- weekend briefing. Weekend briefing. <laughs> I listened to it yesterday. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no more Tom Tilly, but that's good. I'll oh. just... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he used to do hack on Triple J. Okay, yeah. So if yep. Tom Tilly came on, I'd be like, I have been at work too long. Obviously, someone else had got the boys and taken them play because he yeah, comes right. on at five thirty okay. or whatever. You'd be like, right. And I'm like, I've started at seven. I'm still late. at work for the hack. It's too long. Ugh. Anyway, Mandy, what made you cry this week? Oh, um, well, I cried reading well, the that's, book. That's my is that cry what you're too. Say as well? Yeah. So let's talk about. We touched on that chapter. In the oh, book, but I mean, I want you to read it. Yourselves. I want you to read it. Mandy made me read it because I hadn't got up to that point yet. Oh. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, all these women are incredible, incredible. But, but me, I want to know the incredible woman with the child with a disability. Yeah, and then boom, page one hundred and fifteen. Yes, so get that book. You can read it all, but this chapter. Either save it for last or read it first. Yeah, and I just, tears were just streaming oh, down my face. I was like, you, everything she everything. said. Everything. She just, and I'm so succinct. Oh, so succinct, <laughs> unlike us. Unlike us and our <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of succinct is, but maybe it just says I Mandy know, and I was really crying and I also cried because I went out for brunch with my beautiful friend yeah. whose daughter died this January. And yeah. We, we had a beautiful brunch yeah. together and I was so thrilled to spend time with her one-on-one yeah. on one because yeah. It's a tough time. Oh, and tough. She's in this is the worst year. Yeah, and I mm. I just was grateful to spend time with her and I just, I didn't cry, cry, but there was many no, times yeah. of just tears yeah, and yeah. feeling mm. for her and, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, and did you have a make a difference? Yeah. Um, obviously everyone going back to school. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just because my girl's like, Two went Friday, one went the Monday. Yeah. I mean, we can't all go on the same day, nah, can we? starts. You know, so eventually you've got everyone there and everyone's got shoes and everyone's got uniform that fits them. Everyone's got lunch boxes. They've got the books they need. Oh, it's They've amazing. got new hair ties. Oh. We've got, <laughs> I just like, I need a holiday from the preparation for oh, getting back to school. It's unbelievable. I, I felt exhausted. Oh, it is exhausting. It's exhausting. Yep. It is, and is exhausting. everyone feeling okay and you're nervous and you're taking on that and I'll drive you on the first day and I'll pick you up because your shoes are hurting you. Yeah. And, oh, my god. And then gosh. you just get these are the wrong socks and oh. you're like, oh, <laughs> so <laughs> fucking close. And then it's the wrong socks. I know. And then can you do my ponytail again because I've got a crest in the middle oh, of my head I and I'm just, oh, just go. <laughs> Uh, I just sort of had half a day and thought, wow, okay. Uh, it's been a long time. Ooh, and then I'm I, I think I'm I'm feel optimistic. Yes, but which then is a I'm bit scary. nervous of feeling yeah. optimistic. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I, I'm I'm really the difference has been that they're proud of going back. Yes. And Molly has um got a position in the trade kitchen, yeah. which is a big deal at her school and it right. means that she gets to do some cooking and working on the cash register and yeah. she's so proud of herself. Yeah. And so we had to go and get a black T shirt. Yeah. And um she I can't wait to hear about it when I get home today. Oh, yeah. Um, Millie has got a part-time job. So yeah. that's made a difference in her and it's so funny. She's and just so tired after three yeah. hours. <laughs> <laughs> and Mandy's just, you know, gone, oh, what could I do? I'd like to be more of a taxi driver. Yeah, so let's – but <laughs> yeah. I, she drove I remember the whole those days. thing. Yep. I didn't want to um, say, oh, no. no, I was like, go for it, get yeah. a job. It's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. I loved and, my first job. And any time that our kids are doing something age-appropriate, I oh. just – my heart is singing. You yep. you, you need steel, steel cap boots? I'm getting them today. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're not there? Okay, I'm driving to the next place. Yeah. I was just like, I'll do anything it takes. Oh, yeah. And she just has the joy of being independent from you. She can choose to buy Impulse if she wants and not Rexona, you know, all that. It's just new to me. I'm a new um, working mum, parent, whatever. (laughs) Yes. And then when Molly left this morning, she said, I'm going to the trade kitchen. I'm going to be an anti-mould the whole time. (laughs) She just knows to say it to me. She knows it makes you laugh. No. Love it. Oh, goodness. What about you? Make a difference. Well, this is in some ways a sad make a difference, but I got a Dyson handheld um, wand vacuum, right? So I I wouldn't say we needed this vacuum, um, but because we have ducted vacuuming, but it is quite arduous undoing the big ducted vacuum right. thing. Anyway, and um, Woody loves vacuuming, loves it, loves it, loves it, everything about vacuuming. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get this new Dyson. Like it was on Catch of the Day yeah. or something. Um, and so I said to him when I picked him up from school, uh, on his second day of school, I've got a really big surprise for you. <laughs> <laughs> he just sat and built that thing oh. and he's de- played with all the attachments and – Look, uh, if you've got one, the head swivels. Oh, oh I think I need one. Oh, I can't even tell you how much I love it. Oh. I just, which is ridiculous. And you can see the dirt in yeah. the little thing. I've got a Dyson in the, like, the barrel one. No, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't have that. But, yeah. but this, oh, it's it's got, like, all these different heads for, like, yeah, cat hair and yeah. this and that. <laughs> anyway, we've had a great time. Great. So we, we love vacuuming so much that and turn your ears off environmental warriors but that if we get polystyrene in a packaging, we break it up into millions of pieces and vacuum it up. <laughs> <laughs> that is very satisfying. And I very can see. satisfying. Very, and the vacuum has a really nice hum, ah, so it's it's really soothing. therapeutic, very soothing. So um, get on to vacuuming. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, anyway, I, it's made a big difference. I love it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And laugh. What made you laugh? All right. So I've got two laughs. My first laugh actually happened today. So Mandy and I are trying to edit this book. (laughs) Oh, you can't even imagine. We have to do it separately, but there are parts that we have to do together. We can't do it because we keep talking all the time. Group assignment with Mandy. It's never never worked and it's never going to work. (laughs) She just said to me today, this is my worst nightmare (laughs) having to do this with you. I just mean from my perspective, yes, I have to sit it. and concentrate yeah, and, and there's someone distracted. else there that you want to talk to. Yeah, because I'm just like, oh, and then yesterday, yeah. oh, sorry, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Then we're scrolling at different points. And, oh, oh when you read this book, just be proud of us. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, we both did topics, right? You'll, you'll, you'll get to see it. We can't tell you. But yeah. um, we do write a chapter on friendship, obviously, as it's a huge driving factor of the podcast. And then when we get the edit back, there's nothing from Mandy. And it's just this one line from the um, editor. Mandy, did you want to say something about Kate? She's written such a lovely thing about you. <laughs> It's been just glowing about me. And then it says, Mandy, would you like to write something? <laughs> and she had like, written I something. Had written it. It's just got lost in the oh email. Gosh. But it just made me it laugh so, so much because she's like, would you like to? Like- <laughs> I should have written back. We should have left it yeah, and just God. be like, no. Mandy has nothing nice to say. <laughs> oh, it was just, oh. anyway, it really made me laugh. Oh, yeah, it was funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the other just thing, don't know what these just, editors are thinking are about thinking? us. What, what are they thinking? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, we've got so much work to do with these two. I know. Oh boy. Which reminds me, which is why we're annoying. I've got to jump topics, and I'm not going to talk about my next laugh. We are going to bring out a second book as long as you buy the first one. Yes. And oh. <laughs> um, so that's your job to buy the first one. But they think that the editors that if we put all your pee stories into the second book, it will be better and we'll be able to give them more justice and we'll be able to interview you and we'll have more time. So when we asked you to be in the book because we didn't know what we were doing, um, you sent us emails and you shared and we're very thankful to that. Very. So we just want to say thank you. Yep. But we can't put it in. <laughs> we can't put it in <laughs> because we didn't know what the book well, was at we that didn't, point and we, we probably would have written the second book first yeah, in the way we probably. were thinking. That's the way we were thinking, yeah. yeah. And then we got people who actually know what they're doing and they were like, no, do it this way. So yeah. we so have to just, trust them. Just put that on hold. It's coming though. And we'll do a better job of it. We will and we'll have more time with you. Yeah, because so. Plus we had the pandemic. We couldn't meet anybody. We couldn't. Anyway, so. Don't worry. Yeah, that will come. That will come. And we will include you. We will, of course. And my second laugh was uh, the night before last, last, I was hopped into bed early. I was actually listening to our podcast that has gone out already. And um, Buzz came wandering up the hall and he just sort of hopped in bed beside me and I paused the podcast and he just like snuggled in and he just looked at me and he goes, "Um, I always forget that hopping into bed with you is an option and it's so nice. Oh, <laughs> so, but I laughed. I was like, well, I just forget about you, really. Yeah. I- <laughs> this is actually a nice thing this we could nice do. Thing we could oh, do. Yeah, cute. I forget that this is an option. Oh, it is an option. <laughs> it is Vacuuming, an option. cuddling with yeah, mum. They're options. Yeah, they're options. So, yeah, That's fair enough. That made me laugh and feel all, you know, woman. I laughed. Oh, boy, did I laugh. We went back to Special Olympics, which is very exciting because Molly refused to do any of it online. Yes, and you were worried. If you listen to to the podcast that came out last week, Mandy says, I don't know if she wasn't going to go. No. And so she was adamant she wasn't going. And I just said, Look, I just think, oh, this is what I said. I said, We've got to get a free t shirt. So I'm just going to go and get it. (laughs) Yep. So that's okay. You don't want to come. Doesn't matter, but I'll go and get the free t shirt. And then she's like, I'll come. I said, okay, but that, this was on the Saturday and it's on Sunday from five to six. Mm. Um, anyway, so we had the lunch made and the uniform out for Monday by 9.30 in the morning <laughs> because she just can't Yeah, cope. yeah, yeah, it's all done. Anyway, we get there and this beautiful woman comes up to me and says says to Molly, oh, I'm a fan of your mum. Mm. And I listened to her podcast. I said, oh, thank you. And um, anyway, and as we're going along, I'm sitting at the front talking to some of the women and, and then Molly comes over to the fence after running for the first time in a year. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. popping. And, popping, yeah. popping. and then she starts going on about the mold in her drink bottle. <laughs> 
And I couldn't stop laughing. And then this beautiful woman next to me, her head snapped up like, oh, oh she really does talk yeah. about mould. <laughs> It was just the best. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I said, I don't make this up. No, no, this is all true. We don't have the capacity to. We can't write jokes. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want this mould. I don't have this mould. I can't have this mould. I need a new drink bottle. I can't breathe. (laughs) Oh, and I was just so thrilled to get her back there. And it just makes me cry when I go there because. Every mum and dad are there, just so proud. Yep. And every child is out there. They've got mentors, so the athletes are there, all have intellectual disabilities. I just, these are her people. Yep. These are my people. Awesome. And I, I just said, come on, let's join the bowling, let's do the bocce, let's get going. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. And she's like, uh, I'll just stick with this one because it's once a fortnight because we've got to get ready for school. <laughs> also, a girl who knows her limits. She does. Awesome and can say no. Yes. And this That's is what something we want. that, well, this is something a friend of mine were talking about today, actually, whose daughter goes to school with her. And she said that we need, we need to pay attention to this stuff. Yeah. And we need to listen when they're saying no. Yep. And, yeah, so yep. I suppose I don't know if I'd really thought about it. No, and because sometimes no is the default answer. Yeah, and so like, you know what That's I mean? Right. And then sometimes it actually really, really is no. So I'm really so, going to yeah. pay great attention yep. to that from now on. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, well, yay for going back and yay for mould. <laughs> Trade kitchen where she's for trade I'm going kitchen. to be anti mold the whole time. <laughs> Look, the world would be a better place if there was more anti mold. She, um, she, I knew I'm surprised that she's doing this, but mm. she said the teacher knows me and she said I don't have to do chopping. Okay. Because yeah. it's difficult yeah, with yeah, one yeah. hand. Oh, but she great. said my hand will be very tired after this day. I said, yes, it will be. Yes, it will. But I, I yeah. The teacher makes all the difference. All the difference. You peaches who make a difference, never underestimate. I know you get tired. Just remember you're making a huge difference in little people's lives, big people's lives. Yes. So, yeah, big, big, big. Thank you. And before we go, the booklet is coming. (laughs) (laughs) The booklet is coming. We're still working on it, you know, getting that last little photo win that we need. But um, your ACAR supporter money is doing amazing, amazing things. And we're super proud of the book. Thank you. Rate and review. We got a good fun one this week too. Thank you. So it's like new listeners are coming in. It's amazing. I don't know who you all are, but welcome. I know this is the very end and you might have turned off. (laughs) (laughs) But I have noticed a few new followers, people in the hangout. So welcome. You'll know that Mandy and I sort of, we're a little bit arse about and we're not yeah, that professional, we are. but welcome. Yeah, welcome. We're glad yeah. to have you in the P-Tribe. We are. And, and well done to everyone who's navigated back to school. Yep. Um, children not Perth wanting to go to school. Yes. Whose kids couldn't start when they were supposed to start. Yeah. You know, the pandemic is just the yeah. pile of crap that keeps on steaming. Yes, it does. So, yep. Yeah. We, together. We'll get through all of this. Cool. And, um, yeah, so rate and review and, and we'll we will see you. see you next week. Okay. See Bye. you. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.